Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikumsalam. Episode of the Shahrul Nightlife, and it's the topic on South American Christian brother who embraced Islam. So uh, this is an interesting story. This story is uh, one where it was the Quran that you know brought him close to finding truth. He was in search for truth, and eventually he found it through the Quran. And practicing Islam afterwards, he found that it is the, the religion that he would like to embrace. So, without much further ado, I'll just introduce to you our panelists. Um, we also invited Sister Rizzi, just that she might be held up at the moment. So, if she's free, she will join us shortly. So, we have here on the top right, uh, bringing up to the front, is Brother Iskander, all the way from the Netherlands. Welcome back, brother. We didn't see you last week. And Assalamualaikum to you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> and uh, also the staff tonight um, we have is Brother Abu Sahar. And uh, so you. tonight, without much further ado, uh, Brother Abu Sahar, thank you so much for joining us. We would like to first ask you a quick question on, you know, about your background. Maybe share with us a bit about what you're currently doing. And uh, yeah, take it away. So. Yes. Um Okay, my background. At the moment, I'm a teacher, um, a part-time teacher, and I have my own company in um, engineering consultancy. Um, uh, and engineering is, of course, of course, a broad field, but it's specifically energy technology and um, everything that, that is related to uh, sustainability and um, and also related to uh, smart smart engineering with uh, using machine learning, etc. I'm really into high tech and uh, and the new way of, of thinking about systems. Okay, uh, really technical. Uh, on the other side, I'm also reading books about um, uh, um, uh, uh, emotional intelligence, uh, about management, about um, all kind of different stuff because it helps me look at things from a broader view so um that's that's the whole uh, that's professionally that's where i'm standing at this moment okay so uh why uh may i ask why why are you in the netherlands if you're a south american are you here for work or are you staying you know for permanently in netherlands? Yes. okay that, that that's a good question because that there i, I can also um say something about how a lot of people from my country come to the Netherlands, right? Um, I, I live in a, a, a country in in South America, and the name is Suriname. And Suriname is one of the three Guyanas, right? The Guyanas are on top of Brazil. I think everybody knows Brazil from football. <laughs> if you uh, like soccer, then you must know Brazil. Yeah. They are, uh, you know, we we are on the north of Brazil. And there are three countries, which are the three Guyanas. Okay. Um, and then there's a piece of history that there's a relation between um, some European countries and South America, right? Uh, maybe some of you already know this relation that um, in the 15th, 16th, 17th century, they started, you know, colonizing South America, um, which was, uh, you know, a good business for that time, if you can call it good business. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, and actually, uh, at a certain point, um, 
there were people who who were living there as the original inhabitants of South America, and these people are called uh, Native Americans. And then after a while, they started importing people from Africa. Um, and actually, I'm a descendant of both of these groups. I'm uh, I'm mixed, kind of mixed, and um, yeah, I I have some uh, you know South Native American and some African uh, roots, as you can uh, call it. Um, because our country specifically has a relationship with Holland, that's why I came to Holland. Because we speak Dutch, our our laws are in Dutch. Um, we, we the, the official language is Dutch, um, uh, and um, you know there are a lot of other languages in our country because we have. After the people came from uh, the African continent and from Europe, there also came some people from uh, from Indonesia, from um, uh, from India, the the, the the actual Hindustani people, as some people call them, and also from China. Mm. So there's there's been a lot of interaction since uh, 19th century, and I think from a, a social point of view, uh, uh, we we have seen a lot of changes and. You know, we know what it takes to live together in harmony, or let's say harmony, because always, there's always some differences, and you know, but um, we manage to understand each other. And you know what the secret is? It's it's really uh, sharing the different kind of food. <laughs> if I know that you uh, you're from China, you bring some good food. You know, I'm from uh, you know uh, India, from Africa. You know, we share different types of food. And then, you know, you can start talking about culture after you, you know, share your food. <laughs> so that's about uh, my background. Um, and uh, yeah, I can really um, relate to Islam also in with regard to multi, what they call multiculturalism in this, this time. Um, we see that, um, yeah, we see that the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he really explicitly said that people need to live together uh, regardless of their background or their you know ethnic background or language or whatever you know he, he really really actively promoted mixing up um which is actually uh if someone can show me someone before that in the history of mankind that really actively promoted this i'm glad to hear it, but i i'm not aware of Someone who actively said you need to get to know each other and you need to understand each other and respect each other, regardless of ethnic background. You know that's the first thing I found beautiful in Islam, right? Mashallah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you mentioned you formerly were a Christian. Was it by birth uh, that you became a Christian, or yes. you came to it because you discovered about Christianity? No, no, no. My my parents are uh, Christian. I see. And uh, how how did that ha um changed from being a Christian to becoming agnostic? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I I was um a Christian and then um uh, um I ca I came to Holland when I was 17 years old to go to the university. And um I learned about really the uh the basics of mathematics. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, I mean, mathematics, you can really study, you know, you can keep it simple or you can go to the advanced mathematics. And when you learn about advanced mathematics at the university, then um, you learn about that, about 
um, basic principles that uh, that you know you build mathematics on basic principles. Actually, all the sciences are based on some assumptions, but these assumptions are not proven, right? They are called axioms. And actually, uh, to make a long story short, I was thinking about logic and I was thinking about the Bible, and it didn't make sense. That basically, I didn't feel that you know everything makes sense. It didn't make sense, basically. And um, it brought me in a kind of uh, uh, confusion, like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> was there a specific part in the Bible that you came across which you, you know, like, really hit you hard to think whether it makes sense? Mm. Um, no, no, no. I, it's, it's more, it was more like a feeling. Uh, I, I read mm. like three quarters of the Bible I read. And it has some really nice. Uh, actually, the 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 books of um, the Psalms and the books of uh, the Prophet Suleiman Um You know, that's really beautiful. It's the, you can still read it. It's really beautiful, and um, I learned a lot from it. But um, there's there's like the the logic of um, the what they call the. Um, uh, the, the the deification or the you know um, I'm I'm searching for a simple word when they say that uh, the person of uh, Jesus Christ uh, which was actually not even his real name uh, but you know the person whom they call Jesus Christ uh, that they say that he was um, uh, part of divinity or part of the the Creator Astaghfirullah uh, that that's like it defies logic to my opinion. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, disrespecting anybody who believes that. I'm just mm -hmm. saying it didn't seem logic to me. Um, and we can learn from the Quran that, you know, this is not true and this is really based on mis misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, you know we, I, I just started thinking about these things. Uh, so I said, I don't know what's really going on. I don't know. I'm going to search, you know, I'm going to try to get knowledge here or just, you know, and and also what I what I what I found is that um, reading the Bible didn't connect to this. This is like um, a more spiritual point of view. It doesn't. It for me it didn't connect to my inner self, my your the deeper soul that you you know you, you feel that it's there. But I didn't feel this connection when I read the Bible with my deeper self, right? I was, so I was searching for this connection. And I searched in, you know, different, I'm going to be honest, I played uh, different kind of music. I played in bands um, just in search of this, this essence, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I actually, I found the essence and the total logic. I found it in Islam. Um, you know, the, Islam has all the elements, to my opinion, um, to create a, a beautiful society and um, to actually also individually make people feel connected with, with, with you know your, your inner soul and also connected to the creator and really live in harmony mm -hmm. of course you know in practice it, it, as a society we as muslims we are not there yet i think uh, mm -hmm. at this time uh, we are really scattered and we have all kind of opinions and differences and we make our differences seem larger than our common ground uh, which mm -hmm. is the, the the, the the you know the the basic knowledge of of, of of our creator but 
that's another problem. So, so afterwards, uh, you became agnostic. Um, mm. uh, what eventually, you know, I, you said you were searching for truth. Mm. Um, so did you like look into other religions or were you more like, I would like to live freely without a religion? <laughs> what was like no, your thinking? I, I, I I, w- I never let go of the idea that there is a creator um, because some people say, oh, then there's no creator. I didn't believe that. I believe that there was a creator. But, uh, and, and one time I was praying to the creator. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Islam yet, but I, I, cr- I was praying and I said, show me the truth, you know, show me the way. And um, actually, later I understand that if you want to connect to to Allah, then you need to you you need to know the the the, the attributes of Allah, right? And at that time, I didn't know, but I reached out to one of the attributes, which is the Creator. If you call Allah by His names, you know, even if it's in another language, but you understand one of the attributes of Allah, and you call Allah by that attribute. That's very powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So um you know somebody gave me a quran uh said you know i i see that you're searching just just read the book and and god will bless you that's what he said this was a a colleague from work from he was from uh, sudan a country in uh, africa and uh, you know i started reading uh, but at the moment i started reading i really felt the power in, in english right um even if you don't read it in our arabic it's really a powerful a powerful book um and uh you know and that's where i started searching in islam for searching for truth mashallah mm-hmm. wow and uh, um yeah mm-hmm. and and um so after you you search for truth right um what was it that striking about islam uh, maybe it's in the quran or maybe it's in the people that you see or Maybe it's through your research. What was it uh, about Islam that made you take that leap of faith? Uh, I I, um, I think the, the the pureness, right? It's not. Uh, it's it's a it's more like a feeling for me. Later on, the understanding came that you know mm. the logic behind Islam. I didn't understand that yet. I didn't have the knowledge, but I felt the, the purity and the truth. Um, it's really because, and, and now I understand why this purity is there, because we have an unbroken chain to the the messenger of Allah, right? Mm. This is this is really unique to Islam, the unbroken chain, because people have learned from the mouth of the Prophet, وسلم, the Quran. They learned word by word. Quran from him. He learned from Jibril directly. Then other people have learned from those people. Mm-hmm. And then they learned from those people. So you get the Quran straight from from the Prophet in an unbroken chain. This that's his that's unique. It's unique. Mm-hmm. Um and also the Sunnah, right? The 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 the, the, the I mean how to pray, how to do wudu. Uh, I, I'll give an example. There, there was a, uh, after the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, there were a Khalif, um, you know, people who followed up 
for leading the 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 the, the, the believers and the, the third follower follow up or the third khalif uh, was uh, uthman and um he gathered all the knowledgeable people from his time he said you know we're having a big conference like now you can go to uh, like uh, a, a scientific conference or a religious conference you know where a lot of people of knowledge come together and what he did is gather everybody around all the all the uh, the, the 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 ulama the knowledgeable people and he showed them listen look at me this is the wudu of the prophet this is how we did wudu and he showed them you know just the wudu that's it you know so so that that shows how important the sunnah is how, exactly how the prophet did it because there are certain details that you can try differently but that's not if, if you want to learn certain things and do it well there's a hikmah or a wisdom behind it which you don't know so you can say okay i'm gonna do it differently uh but that's not how you know if you want to really be on the path then certain things you don't change and there are other things that you change like the way we organize the state or you know if we're drinking uh, 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 uh from a straw you know okay the, the the people in those times didn't do it in that way uh, we eat ch chocolate okay you know it, if they didn't do it in that way in those times doesn't mean it's haram because it's not related to ibadah it's not related to um uh, uh how we we worship allah right it's it's about worldly things and those you can change but certain things how we do ibadah how we do wudu how we pray you don't change and this unbroken chain that's i think um that's the reason why islam is so pure does that answer your question? Yes, yes, this answer the question. So that the, the purity of it was what really drew you to Islam and it resonated with your heart when you read the Quran. The words were powerful and uh, you were also at the same time searching for truth. You asked God for help to guide you and one of the names was the creator you called out to. So he responded to you in uh, in a way that, you know, you saw the truth in Islam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Brother Iskander have a question. Oh no, just just I'm just listening, but I'm trying to um, I'm I'm trying to think because this concept of purity is super interesting, right? So it's not just I mean, Brother Brother Abu Sahar mentioned uh, the the purity of of practice, right? But also I think the purity of theology and the purity of uh, well, just the purity of body um, I think is very apparent in in our religion, as in if you look at, uh, you know, when we say one, we really mean one instead of three. And when we clean ourselves, we do it before every prayer. You know, I mean, in my opinion, that is also purity. But, you know, it's just something I was thinking of when Brother mentioned purity. That's what I wanted to add. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. yeah. That's a good takeaway from uh, what Brother Abu Saha shared. So, uh, Brother Abu, can I ask what uh, the challenges you faced? before embracing Islam, do you, do you have a lot of challenges where do you tell parents or do you tell your friends or would they against it? I mean, given the fact that, you know, the media is not very kind towards uh, the representation of what Islam truly is, um, how did you overcome it? Do you have any problems at, that, at work? Did you have problems like, you know, even praying sometimes you know because your your boss might say what are you doing <laughs> i don't know is it the same in the netherlands or any of these problems you face no i i have to be honest i mm -hmm. i um i haven't experienced directly any problems 
not from my family and no it, it, basically i think um in my country we are used to muslims and christians and you know anything buddhist you know it's it's normal to be like diversity is normal mm -hmm. um and um uh, actually my father told me he, he taught me before many years before when i was really a boy he taught me that you know you have to be open-minded to how other people think uh so he would never like go against if i made a choice listen i want to be muslim okay cool man you know that, that's how we were raised uh but that's i think that's something uh, specifically to the country i'm from you're all welcome uh by the way you can <laughs> visit, visit Suriname. Uh, uh but anyway uh so in my country and from my family i didn't get um like uh, you know negative uh, uh negativity um of course you notice that people around i mean if you're in a, I, I live in the netherlands then there are people who are open-minded but there's other people who are not so open-minded of course that's everywhere i think um but i have directly not um experienced negativity mm. what about challenges um right after you became a muslim like uh, did your diet have to change uh, was fasting hard uh, because maybe you never fasted for a month long kind oh, of fasting okay. no 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 I, um actually uh good question because about about fasting uh um i i actually i was um a, a religious christian before right uh so i fasted also sometimes like from mm. so from su sun sunset to and even my, my mother is still christian and she's also fasting sometimes like um it's 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 not it wasn't new to me um and also um okay what the challenges for me were to really pray five times a day that's that was a major challenge <laughs> <laughs> actually to be honest uh i spent years trying to really find you know a way to do that um and i'm really being honest because some people they make shahara and they start they really start doing it that's beautiful i mean i, I couldn't do that uh so uh yeah that, that was really a challenge even uh certain uh you know about halal and haram and really accepting it without you know without thinking yeah but i think and this time we're living in different times blah 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 you know accepting without uh, uh excuses excuses <laughs> yes that's yeah that, that's really hard for me that was hard yeah so how, how did you overcome it <laughs> uh yeah i uh, i'm I, there are you know people are different and you need to respect each other uh mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'm a person, uh, I, I like to understand things. Um, so when I understood the spiritual meaning of fasting, the spiritual meaning of praying, uh, that's when I accepted, you know, and really started practicing. Uh, and uh, one one uh, book that helped me was uh, more a kind of really intellectual book about uh, of uh, Imam Ghazali. Uh, and it's a well-known work, um, the Ihya Ulumidin, or the Revival of Religious Sciences. It was written about 1,000 years ago, but this guy was really, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> he was intellectually really ahead of his time. You can read his books now, 
and relate to um, modern philosophical um, issues like uh, uh, the you know uh, the, the the relation between uh, physical science and religious science. He wrote about this thousands years ago. Mm. Like he said in in another book, he said, um, "I I cannot say anything about whether the Earth is round or not." A thousand years ago, I mean, in Europe, the, 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 the church was really fighting people who were saying, listen, we have proof that the earth is wrong. They said, we decide what's the truth, right? We're the church, we decide. And you, if you want to say, you know, if you don't take your words back, then you, you get burnt, really burnt. Uh, and and the, the, the Muslim, um, in, a lot of Muslim intellectuals were like, we're going to observe and, you know, and collect scientific proof and then, we can test our hypothesis. Really, these guys were far ahead. So Imam Ghazali said, I'm a religious um, scientist. I don't say anything about physical science. Let the guys who you know who know physics, they can decide. I'm not, that's not my work. I can say something about spirituality, about the deen, but I cannot say about whether earth is round or not. So there were other people, the Arab uh, scholars, who took knowledge actually from India, from China, you know, from all over the world, from Africa, and they collected everything and, you know, assimilated. Uh, and then they said, okay, I think we have the proof that the Earth is round, so why don't we measure the radius? <laughs> uh, there was a, a, um, a scientist, which is, uh, his name is, uh, I forgot his name. He measured the radius of the Earth really and really um um uh, um uh really uh really close to the true value right if we um i think within five or ten percent um of the true value that we can measure today with modern instrument he, he found a way to, to to measure it you can google it like, like the um uh, you know measurement of the radius of the earth uh, by arab uh, uh scientists and this was way before, you know, the what they call the Enlightenment in Europe. Anyway, um, Imam Ghazali, um, reading his book, taught me what was the, the meaning of Ibadah and why it is good for us, for everybody, to really do it. And that's when I, you know, I, I really started practicing. And uh, But I respect a lot the people who don't need this proof because yeah. they accept without you know challenge challenge it i think maybe that's better uh but i'm i have this you know i need to understand that's maybe a weakness from my side um mm -hmm. but i really respect people who really can accept without you know having mm -hmm. to <laughs> really sure. understand right mashallah yeah you you sound like um um like uh, was islam i like to ask if it was islam a lot about rules and regulation for you you know um maybe in the west you might think it's strict and you can't do this you can't eat pork you can't do that and did it deter you from your faith and islam or how did you you know overcome that as as a person who is much more you know influenced in the west right you would probably have a different way of overcoming this issue uh, could you give us like some tips mm -hmm. on it uh, yeah Yes, uh, that's a good point you you you're making there. Uh, uh, yes, it's true that what we re uh, perceive as freedom in the West um, 
it has a different meaning meaning of uh, what's freedom in in other cultures and even in islam uh, you know what what what's freedom let's start with islam right um, if if you are a, a, cap, a true captive is the one who who, who, who is captivated by the your own desires so if your 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 hawa your desires really dictate what you need to do it means that you're captive of your desires and that's totally different because the 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 um the main philosophy of the west is um sometimes based on hedonism so like you enjoy life for the fullest because you live once and you do everything that you feel is right. So this is what you feel. This is exactly what they teach children at school, right? This is why, you know, it's the, when you're, you're, your children are raised in these societies, this is what they learn at school. You do everything that feels right as long as you don't hurt other people. And you could say, wow, that's beautiful. That's true freedom. Um, but actually, in Islam, we are taught that we as a we are born as children and we i think certain in a certain way we stay we, we stay um we don't we never know everything so we don't know exactly what's the best for us we may think we know but our creator if you believe in a creator then you know that the creator knows best what's good for you and if you believe in prophets um, then you understand that the creator has sent these messengers to teach you what's good for you even even though you might think oh i think i want to sleep you know all day and um uh, i don't want to wash you know do wudu or anything because i feel like um you know i feel like i want to sleep one day okay then just sleep right that's freedom you, you you do what whatever you desire right um so okay how did the prophet this is the wisdom of muhammad so one of the Sahaba said, you know, I don't like to do wudu every time. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, just you know, why, why so strict? Okay. <laughs> so did he say, oh, I'm going to hell? You know, no. <laughs> no, he, he said, okay. Yeah. Why don't you try it? Okay, you can. You just pray with us, everybody. You know, you just pray with us and don't don't do wudu. Okay, okay, try it out. And then like, this guy was trying it out. And he came to the Prophet and he said, you know, I, I, I can see all these other people like they're shining, you know, they're clean and I don't feel clean. And he said, you know, <laughs> that's why we do what we do. It's right. It's, there's a hikmah behind it. There's a reason for it. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you will feel better if you try it, if you do it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Th this, this kind of um, more uh, way, uh how do you call it the, the way of dealing with people like understanding that they have some doubts and this is more like how how you raise children but also how we need to learn how to do dawah in this way even talking to our brothers and sisters that we know for years you know let's not tell them oh you're going to hell okay yes if if you don't do certain things and <laughs> <laughs> if you um if you really neglect the rules of uh, the, the the regulations that uh, that we received from our messenger, 
peace be upon him then if you really consciously reject it that that means that you know uh, there's a great chance that you end up uh burning for a while yes it's the truth um but the first time that someone presents the way they feel like they're sharing something yeah i don't know if i how should i pray every day man that's not like the moment to tell them you're going to help right maybe it's not the right way to deal with it maybe you can say listen you have a bank bank account right let's say you can collect 20 euros every every uh, five times a day you can collect 20 euros you just have to spend five to ten minutes and then you collect 100 euros for example would you do it of course okay now you have this bank account which you, you cannot see right now but it's in you know in what is after you die you know the akhira you're collecting a lot of wealth if you go pray and you know do do the hajj or you're collecting wealth for yourself only you know it, you can't collect it in this in this world and 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 try to make people understand but what's even more deeper and that's what what's really what imam ghazali is teaching is that um spiritually you will receive your reward in this world right you you it's not just that you receive a reward in after you die but in this world you will feel a connection with allah and this will make you it give you uh, it will give you sakina it will give you uh, peace in your heart right the quran says um uh, isn't it that to the remembrance of Allah that the hearts find peace right and um, and this heart of finding peace in the heart it means actually also the physical heart so you have your spiritual heart and how you feel but you have your physical heart and um, it's proven that stress and um, unrest in the heart really causes diseases right so this 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 peace that we can um receive by following the the commandments of our prophet peace be upon him really gives peace in the heart also and um really increases our health also mm. so that, this 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 make, make, makes me really um humble you know like uh we we, we don't know we don't know everything that is behind uh what what the prophet has taught us we don't know all the hikmah we just mm. have to follow you know it's uh, that you know that's something i think is good to realize mashallah i like what you shared here there's the two very interesting points that you shared here one is about freedom which i thought uh, i like to touch a bit on that and also about the heart which uh, you just mentioned um i believe there's a hadith somewhere which mentioned that um, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu said that there's a flesh in the body that if you corrupt it, the entire person is corrupted. And uh, if you purify it, the person is fully purified. And and that is the heart he was referring to. It's a hadith somewhere around there. So if Islam focuses so much on purifying the heart and the intentions within it, and it will eventually lead you to you know, know your creator and closer to peace. And I also like on the the part where you touch on freedom. Um, freedom, you know, if you ask a monk, what is true freedom? Why are you doing all this uh, locked up in a temple, just 
doing the chants and you know working out maybe do some uh, kung fu exercise the monk would say true freedom lies in the mind maybe he would say true freedom lies in the person's mind if i close my eyes right now i can imagine myself in any part of the universe and that would also mean i'm free um that would probably be a response from the monk um probably someone who enjoys you know partying having fun and that he would say oh true freedom is when i get to you know choose what i want go to any party i want don't have to work or anything i just do what i want without worrying about tomorrow that is his version of yep. Uh, yep. freedom but but when you ask yourself you know what is the cost of doing that like you know partying and not so you end up with you know finding there's a, a void in your heart something that's missing you find that also that by doing certain things you are also taking away things from other people um and that itself giving them no freedom for yourself so for example um if you like to smoke just just an example right and somebody finds that it's um maybe going to be bad for their health and in your opinion it is your freedom you can smoke you can be doing what you want but the person has maybe a, a very weak lung and you are actually putting him or her in harm's way and that itself you know you take away another person's freedom just because you wanted freedom for yourself and you forgot that you know we live in a world where we have to commingle we have to you know live together in harmony so i think um what i'm trying to say is uh, everybody have different versions of freedom in their own perspective and islam uh is probably the best way to look at how they give freedom not only in your mind your heart but also uh, uh freedom in your soul and that is true the prayers that you just mentioned which is uh, i would call them like medicine for the soul yeah? yes yes and for the soul <laughs> yeah mashallah yes yes yeah. That's my reflection on uh, what you just shared. <laughs> yeah. But but Iskandar, do you have any uh, thoughts on this? It just reminded me of uh, the whole the whole discussion about freedom. It just reminded me of one day uh, when I was in China and there was a lady who, who who was exercising and we were conversing and I said, why are you exercising? You know, uh, Because I'm interested in people and I want to know why they do sports because I thought she was exercising for, you know, to become stronger or whatever. But she said, no, uh, I'm exercising because I want to eat. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, because she wants to eat a lot because she loves food. And I said, okay, so you're, you're, you know, it, it's it's all to you know have more freedom to to uh, well be hedonistic in this case. But um, yeah, she said no. Um, it's because uh, because I'm putting limits on myself now. I'm so I'm 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 uh, essentially putting a cage around myself right uh, i'm exercising i'm watching my diet right now so i can have fun in the weekend and i was like yeah that's an interesting way to look at it but she was like restricting herself to have more freedom later which which you know is kind of similar it's not exactly the same but i thought it was interesting to bring up since mm -hmm. it's sort of like uh, yeah her limiting factor on herself gives her more freedom so I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so like sometimes uh when you say like why is Islam restrictive and they put boundaries and things? You can look at them as guidelines for you to reach the hereafter in you know to the heaven. So, for example, um, when there's no guidelines, you said, uh, "Where's where's my guidance?" 
and 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 the prophet you know when when the quran came he explained to us you know these are the things you need to do in order to achieve certain things and those are the guidelines to 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 do that and the best person to give you these guidelines are the, is the creator himself so um but for men like us you know we change our guidelines here and there today what is socially accepted accepted can be uh unacceptable in in the future as well right? so yeah i i just like to uh just highlight that point that uh is kind of made um on freedom and the thought of you know guidelines and restrictions so sometimes people put themselves under a certain restriction to achieve certain things <laughs> yeah 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 nice. thank you so nice. much uh but brother abu for sharing all, all that uh insight and knowledge that you had um yeah. so maybe you can share us you know what is a particular verse in the quran that you know you are really inspired by maybe it'd be great to you know hear hear from you um what touched your heart from from the quran um that that's very hot um because uh, the quran has for different situations um uh, uh, verses that are appropriate right so if you're like um you have you're receiving trouble then you know there are certain verses in the quran which can help you understand why 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 is this happening to me you know <laughs> this is a lot of questions a lot of people ask you know i don't have money you know i'm doing my best uh, everybody goes through you know i have this uh, problems with my wife you know and uh, yeah i'm trying my best and why is this happening to me okay you know then there are certain verses which can give you this uh peace of mind uh um and uh one of them is uh 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 so uh bring glad tidings to the the uh, patient uh, the ones who say if a musibah or a you know a challenge or you know you know something hard hits them they say um Fairly, we belong to Allah, and to Him we shall return. Right. Um, so realizing that actually we belong to Allah, and that is our end station. Right. That this is this is your final destination. If you're on a train, then you know your final destination is Allah. That's where you, that's where you belong. Um, and this is temporary. It's temporary. Where we where we in now? It's temporary. Okay. You know your, your your parents. One of your parents may die. It feels really awful, but you know, uh, yeah, maybe they're also on their way to another station, right? Uh, somebody dies, you, you really love. Okay, you know, there there there's an example of a Sahaba who there was a war, and he had I think five sons or six sons. Somebody came, said, "I'm really sorry." Uh, all of your sons except one died in this work he said alhamdulillah i have one son left <laughs> so this is like this is how the sahabas used to think right and you know if we if we can uh yeah this is really remembering allah in under awesome circumstances something really bad happens the first thing you do is remember allah inna lillahi wa inna ilaihi so not only when someone dies you say this it's like um 
you have like 200 euros and it was in your pocket and it's lost you know you, you're looking in your pocket it's gone you know wow. just accept it accept it and this is like um you know these these are this is just one verse from the quran but uh yeah i, I could go on for <laughs> for a long time you know <laughs> Mashallah. Subhanallah. I think it's a very beautiful verse you shared. Um, any tips you have for you know people who are in search for truth? How should they find it? Should they be googling more about Islam? <laughs> should they you know shake Google maybe or yes. maybe <laughs> ask their friends or yeah, go to a mosque? I, yeah. What what what's the advice for them? Yeah. If if you if you have a, an an alim or a knowledgeable person close to you. Who you know you can trust that's better than googling right why maybe maybe there's a, a some sheikh on google who really knows a lot more than the person who is in your village so but don't don't underestimate the person who is close to you who knows you and who can give you advice really fit for your situation right that's i mean you, if you have a like a, a guidance someone who guides you closer to allah and they know you and you interact this is like this is the way this is the sunnah for gathering knowledge um okay google is good i mean if you want to know something like factual is this hadith is it um what is the state of a certain hadith is it really uh hassan is it uh mutawatir you know or is it weak that's good that that's that's google but if you need like advice for you know i'm in this situation and you know i don't know what to do what can i do you know do you know a certain dua that will help me if you have someone close to you then go to that person you know and okay no problem you can compare it to you know share google <laughs> <laughs> but, uh it's it's good to have someone close that uh you develop a relationship with, with um uh, you know and, and and trust it's really mm. it's really important i think I think also because the person is in the same maybe culture or country as you, they can contextualize what they they learn their knowledge towards your uh, culture better. Uh, I think that also helps uh, in that yep. essence. Yeah. Um, so any tips for, you know, okay, for people who just embrace Islam, maybe. Um, oh. <laughs> there are some people who, you yep. know, they have problems with. Uh, telling this to their parents, they embrace Islam in secret because you know they really believe in it, but. They are afraid. How how are they going to get the courage to do it? Should they, you know, tell their parents? Should they? How do they? You know, what's your tips on this? Oof, that's that's hard. Um, even there are even Sahabas who, in the time in the period of Mecca when the Muslims were still in Mecca, so the the Hijra was not made yet. It was allowed to do even to confess kufr, right? It was allowed in Islam mm -hmm. because you're afraid of your life and um you know i can say just tell your parents you know no 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 i'm not gonna say that um i'm gonna say uh really if you have a, a knowledgeable person you know talk to them find mm -hmm. find a knowledgeable person to talk to and you know discuss you know how are your parents go if you know your parents are like they're gonna be ah, they're gonna yell at you but they're not gonna like um you know physically hurt you then maybe you know you just take the yelling <laughs> i don't know but if you're really like you feel in your heart i'm really afraid afraid of you know hurting their feelings you know 
yeah, it's really, uh, it's hard, you know. Uh, um, but when you start with Islam, then try to understand the, the path that these people that went before us, you know, the Sahabas, the Prophet, peace be on them, understand the path that they've walked and the suffering that they've seen. And and then you you'll find like courage, you'll find uh, inspiration and also understanding of the deen. Because um, when I, I read only the Quran, I didn't really understand the deen yet. You can read the whole Quran from beginning to end and still not understand the deen because the context is important, right? That, like you mentioned, mentioned uh, Firdaus, that uh, people should know the context that we are living in today and then you have the context of when Islam was revealed, then you can make like a more wise decision. So try to understand the, the seerah of the Prophet, the, 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 the life, um, life story of the Prophet and the ones who came after that. If you're going more into the knowledge of Islam, then you start learning about the, the Sahabas, but also really the, the Khalif, the first Khalif, Abu Bakr. What kind of decisions did he make? Right? There were really um, a lot of arguments between, let's say, Abu Bakr and Omar ibn al-Khattab, for example, about what to do now. They're in a situation, okay, what should we do? They're, they're, they, they made some decisions that they didn't know, okay, what's going to be the best? They made decisions. And <laughs> as a leader, sometimes you need to make a decision, even if you don't know for sure. But you, you make ijtihad, you, make, you try to understand, okay, what did the Prophet do in a similar situ situation? Peace be on him. Try to understand and make ishara. We don't, like, they didn't just do something and say, listen, this is what I decided. No, even if he's, like Abu Bakr was legally the person in charge. He spoke to the, the other sahabas. And that's also in the Quran, like, um, we make ishara, right? Uh, the believers make, um, uh, they consult with each other. Even the prophet, please be unto him. He consulted with people, like, he said, okay, this is the situation in a, like, for example, a war situation. Uh, what should we do now? What, what do you think? And even the younger Sahabas said, what do you think about it? The older Sahabas, what do you think about it? And then discuss, and then, you know, make a decision as a leader. But, um, uh, you know, we, we, these are the things that I can share, but uh, there's a lot more things we can share, but maybe there are, there are questions from, like, the audience that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. most... Most of them, let me see, the audience. Everyone is giving salam. Salam alaikum. They like your hair. Brother, they like your hair. They like your dreadlocks. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, we've learned that, yeah, it's both. You know, I like to just share the sunnah. If you're speaking about long hair, then it's both sunnah to have short hair and it's sunnah to have long hair. Mm -hmm. Both of them are Sunnah, right? Uh, you can search in, uh, you know, Sheikh Google. As Google. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but it's it's really uh, it's also it's Sunnah to be both short and long is, is Sunnah, right? Mashallah. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah. So to all our dear audience out there who are watching, if you have questions, feel free to put them down on the comment section. 
and we'll we'll get to it uh because i think we you still have a bit more time maybe yep. you spend another two to three minutes in in this part where you have questions we'll ask them for you to brother abu so um yeah so another thing to ask okay tips about people who are new to islam okay finding peace within yourself he said this one wow i found my peace through surah an nisa okay mashallah mashallah yeah, mashallah. yeah. Mashallah. Yeah, mm. this this is uh, uh, okay. First, so, okay, let's check this verse. Um, oh, easy. No, this let's is a good. I I like this. Uh, we're gonna check the verse. Mashal. Four one seven. Uh, and Nisa and then verse one seven one. Okay, okay. Let's check it out. Let's check it. Out. Uh, hey Google. Oh yeah, Google is also. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Ah, this is about the to the Ahlu Kitab, the people yeah. of uh, the Christians, etc. Oh, uh, guys, can see. Yeah, yeah. Is is uh, I want to ask a question. Is um, uh, sister uh, Assalamu alaikum? Are you um, coming from a Christian background or Jewish? So so that means because this is about the the Christians and the Jews. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Ya Ahlul Kitab. Yep. Okay. Auzu Billahi Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. O people of the book, be not excessive in your faith and do not say about Allah anything but the the truth. The Masi Isa, the son of Mary, Maryam, is only a messenger of Allah and his word that we had delivered to Maryam and a spirit from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers. Do not say three, stop it, that is good for you. Allah is only one God. He is far too pure to have a son. To him belongs what is in the heavens and what is in the earth, and Allah is enough to trust in. No, that's quite a, nice, nice. Uh, a verse. I think uh, it's purely uh, more on the part of Christianity that it's touching on. Mm. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's, um, it's really touching on the Trinity part of, of, of uh, the Christian dogma. Yeah. Um, and for me, for me, in, in, there's so many reasons why, you know, even I was previously a Christian, why, um, why is Jesus not God? Okay, um, for me, rationally, if we think about it, Oh, he's gone. Um, okay, yeah, well, we can, we can, we'll just um, uh, yeah. just keep on going and then you'll join uh, inshallah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Oh, he's back. <laughs> Sorry. So for me, uh, what happened is I believe, you know, that okay, as a Christian previously, we believe that he sacrificed his life for us to save us from uh, from hell, basically, to we have committed sins because of Adam, and in order to forgive us for all our sins, the sacrifice of Jesus was on the cross, and He raised from the dead three days after to redeem us uh, from that 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 uh, damnation that we are walking towards. To, but the thing is, um, one of the reasons that got me to question it is that you know, if sacrifice means to lose someone, then um, the essence of Jesus' death was not a full sacrifice because he came back to life. Mm. You know what I mean? A pure, a true sacrifice is when you lose something completely. 
and that is that would mean that he wouldn't come back to life. Does that make sense? You know, in 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 English, if if you were to understand that. Uh, secondly, you know, if we understand the word divinity, divinity means something that is immortal. You cannot die. Um, but uh, if Jesus was dead, then he was not divine. That's another another part of um, the dogma yeah. which I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, I I I'll share you a, a verse in the in the Bible. Mark oh, 12, verse, okay. Mark 12, verse uh, 19, uh, 29, that uh, Isa Alayhi saying, mm -hmm. the most important one answered Jesus is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. <laughs> okay, this is uh, what Mark is it? Mark, yes, Mark 12, verse 29. So basically, I when they, when they say this in church, you know, I was in a church one time and I, I was like, are you actually quoting this verse? And in a church, you know, like, don't you realize what what's written here? You know, like as it's saying in this word that uh, what we got called ahad in um, uh, uh, in in Arabic, they, in Hebrew they call it ahad. You know, those mm -hmm. languages are really related. And uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't see the logic. You know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, over here there's no commandment greater than this, and that the Lord your God is one God. Yeah. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Yeah, yeah. that's that's <laughs> like you know, do we have to discuss this? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, but anyway, I mean, um, you know, we we need to respect people that you know. Yeah. Uh, people have a way of thinking and we need to have a lot of patience with people and you know all okay. we can do is just say listen this is our arguments and uh, may Allah lead us yeah. to the, the right path and you know uh, right. right yes and end of the day everyone has their own choice to walk on the path they choose um, mm -hmm. and we are just sharing basically a yeah. perspective from Islam how yeah. we see um, see it from an Islamic perspective and that's why uh, there are differences so um, but ultimately we do not force on anyone our beliefs in fact the no. quran specifically mentioned that you should not uh, there's no compulsion in religion yeah. so therefore uh, we also believe that only allah has the power to grant hidayah guidance to anyone and not not any one of us so we are not like a ministry or like you know like a minister who can empower you to believe in islam we have no, no such power. In fact, no. we can only show you the message. The message is yeah. this from the Quran, yeah. and it's up to you to to follow it or not. Yeah. yeah. We of course we we would like you to be you know part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So inshallah, you know, for those who have yet to get hidayah, we hope to see you inshallah in uh, Jannah to for the one day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So are there other other questions? Uh, no, they well, there are new new questions, but it's more specific about. Uh, oh, what about keeping beard? <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's sunnah, right? Uh, okay. Um, hmm, that's a good question. Um, okay, l let me say one thing before I give an answer. Right. Um, when we are speaking about halal and haram, mm -hmm. that is something that's done by the ulama. Why? Mm -hmm. Because because I see people online, you know, yeah, this is haram. You know, this are you have you studied? Do, do you know the Quran by heart? This is the mm -hmm. first like 
if you're going to study Islam, then the first thing you do is you become Hafid, right? This is the basic. This is the basics. And me, you know, I just knew a few surahs. I cannot speak about halal, and I cannot even sit in the um, audience of ulama, right? I need to be really humble. So, um, okay, if I say something, then I can just say, okay, I heard someone say this and this, right? Uh, because I've learned also that making a fatwa, like saying something about halal and haram, this is, if you make a fatwa without authority then this this is, can be regarded as shirk this is very serious mm -hmm. making a fatwa that is not in accordance with what the prophet learned peace be unto him this is shirk why because you don't have the mandate you don't have the authority to say what is halal and halal right mm -hmm. so what the ulama do is they translate what they learn from the quran and from the hadith translated into actionable requirements right like can you keep a beard or should you keep a beard or is it so there are five stages one something is halal it's permitted uh two it's encouraged but it's 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 not like um uh, it's encouraged but it's not uh, 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 uh mandatory Let, no the first thing is it's mandatory you should do it like making salah it's mandatory two it's encouraged but it's not mandatory then you have um so this is um uh, this is important to know right that the five stages of in in fiqh uh, this is really start when you, where you really understand how why islam is so reasonable and so um practical because it's not just this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do and it's not like this it's like okay there are certain things who are clearly haram Certain things are clearly halal, uh, and and like, but certain things are permissible but not recommended. For mm -hmm. example, um, you're doing wudu, and then someone is calling you. Okay, if you say, "Sorry, I'm I'm doing wudu," it's not permissible. Are you breaking wudu? No. Is it mm -hmm. haram? No, it's not haram. Mm -hmm. It's ma makru, makru, mm -hmm. right? It's not. It's not like. It's not nice. It's not good. It's not something that's recommended by a prophet. Peace be on. Is it haram? No, it's not haram. Right? So then you can make like a, you know, let's say you have children. One of them fall. You're doing wudu. They fall down. You know, okay, go help them. You know, it's your child. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe you, you you keep your mouth shut and you help them and try to finish your wudu and then tell soothe them. Or if it's really if it's an emergency, then you say something. Mm -hmm. Is it haram? No, it's not haram. So, making these choices requires us to know: um, is it uh, is it mandatory, like doing salat, giving zakat, etc.? Is it fardu ain? Fardu ain are the really mandatory things. Uh, the fardu ain and fardu kifaya. Okay, then you have something which is encouraged, like uh, it's sunnah. So sunnah, mm -hmm. if something is sunnah in the fiqh terms, means it's encouraged okay a beard is as i've understood i'm not sure but it's sunnah is it mandatory i haven't heard that i'm not sure but I, mm -hmm. i've heard that it's sunnah right okay then there's something which it doesn't make a difference whether you do it or don't it doesn't bring you value and it's not haram these are called muba then you have the fourth which is 
if you need to avoid, if you can avoid it, avoid it. It's not, but is it haram? No, it's not haram. This is makruh. And then you have the haram. This is not allowed. Right? Um, so, so it's good to put all, all our actions into this five, one of these five categories. Anything you do from the moment you wake up until you um, go to sleep again is okay. within these five. So, for example, you wake up, you say, Alhamdulillah. That's the first thing you say. That's sunnah. Is it mm. mandatory? No, it's not mandatory, mm. right? Um, mm. So we, we could go on about this. So keep keeping a beard, okay? Mm. Ask your ask your uh, the person who you know is knowledgeable. Ask him: Is this um, is it farduain uh, 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 or is it uh, sunnah? Ask them. Mm. I, I I cannot be hundred percent sure. I understand that sunnah, but right. Mm, sure. So. Yeah. Basically, don't ask a YouTube stream. Go ask your teacher. As <laughs> <laughs> a YouTube stream, ask your teacher. Yes, perfect. But, uh, but uh, uh, salam, brother. That uh, it's good to ask these questions. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's also another thing, and even for uh, talking about this halal haram thing, because in Chinese culture, right, we celebrate Chinese New Year, um, and some places they say it's haram. You know, but that's. But you know, if the essence of Chinese New Year, if you were to understand Chinese culture, is so important for us because we it's the time where we reunite with our families. So, for example, for different Chinese people in China, right, they used to travel out from their homes all the way to another province and town to work, and they never get a chance to be with their family because they're out there working. So they made it like you know, you all have to remember the Chinese New Year to come home, to be with your families, to have a reunion dinner, and to spend that quality time with them during this time of the year and that is the true you know beauty of chinese new year yeah and you can you know they they, they have chinese have a lot of folklores and legends and you know his you know they're, they're trying to get people to practice certain things they'll tell you a fairy tale for example uh, there's a dragon or there's a lion and they have to have these sounds and that sounds because <laughs> people at that time that was easy for them to understand things right and so so it's so, so important that you know if you have a scholar who is uh well well versed in the quran and the hadith and also if he's from the same culture uh it would help you to understand how to apply islam uh better also in your life because yes. different cultures would you would see it differently you know yes. so you it's not not uh, very nice i would say I would, like it's like makru okay? <laughs> to go and say you're haram <laughs> straight away to a person without knowing uh yes. their mm -hmm. their their true culture uh, wh whether yes. it's really against Islam or not yeah so uh, there's all there's some things that are very clear like brother Abu said you know they are really clear that this is haram and they are very clear like for example adultery and all that these are very clear that is haram and things that are you know halal and encouraged and sunnah so there's a lot of things uh, to learn about Islam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like uh, Brother Skanda said, thanks for asking those questions on the stream. But do also check it with your your start mm -hmm. or your you know a shake from your country yes, who yes, has yes. better context. Yeah. So yeah, we reached the one hour mark, and uh, I think Brother Abu shared a beautiful story of how he came to Islam. Mm -hmm. um, if you do, guys, if you have further questions, please feel free to put them on the comment section. Don't forget to you know like and subscribe to us. So inshallah. We will see you again in the next episode. What what I can say, there was a question from uh, Brother Ahmad Azza oh, about yeah. 
Okay, someone asking uh, is is all our religions the same? Okay, oh, this is like a new uh, uh, idea yeah. that we can see um, in uh, 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 you know modern age. Say some people believe like, you know all religions and they have this like this hippie kind of feeling. You know, everybody's one, and you know, uh, which is it's cool to you know really try to uh, be peaceful with people, but um in islam we have something like akida that we call akida um okay this is you have islam in three levels you have really performing the the acts of worship especially the five you know pillars of islam uh then you have the second level this is called islam then they have the second level of um iman which is really understanding and believing in your heart the 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 the, the Believing in uh, Allah, believing in prophets, believing in the books, um, in angels, and believing in Yom uh, Al-Qiyamah, in, 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 in and believing, so six articles of faith. This is Iman. And the Al-Qadr. Okay, I'm not going to explain these things. Uh, you can search them up. The six articles of faith. And then you have something which is beyond that. This is Ihsan. This is like the spirituality of Islam. Okay these systems have been there before prophet muhammad so if you look at for example uh prophet isa people call jesus um he had these also the system but what they do they just take like the cherry on the cake you know they forget the cake the cake right he was a practicing hebrew israelite which means he did what they call uh clean cleansing like we call it voodoo but they call it differently okay but he did it he uh gave zakat he prayed i don't know how much times a day i don't know exactly the the, the, the rulings in that time but he prayed that which was obligatory in that time that's what he did and he followed the law of musa salam, right this is the this is the beginning he did the other acts of worship he just did it then you have he speaks about the heart cleaning the heart keeping the heart clean this and understanding the correct understanding of allah which is iman and then he also had this ihsan which is the spirituality and then he he gives some knowledge from the spiritual point of view which was actually meant for the people who understand the jewish law understand the 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 the, the, the religious science of that time and they could understand those verse, those words from Isa Alayhisselam. Then we come here and we take a verse from the Bible. Ah, but he's speaking about this highest highest level of spirituality, and you're trying to interpret it. You don't know the Jewish law. You don't know the background information. So uh, then you have people saying, okay, everybody's one, you know, and hippie, and you know, uh, also the Hindus. Okay, everybody's one. No. In Hinduism, you have the same thing. You have that the original Hinduism is that the Creator is one. The Creator has attributes which were different names. And we call the, create, the Creator by different attributes. What people right. did is like take these attributes and make it like a, a separate being. Um, it, that's a long story. If you want to know it, there's a perfect lecture about from Brother... Uh, it's called Islam versus Hindu. You can YouTube Islam versus Hinduism by um, this great um, 
you know, this, there was a teacher called Ahmad Didat from India, and then his yeah. his follower was uh, still living right now, Doctor Zakir, Zakir Naik. Naik. Zakir oh, Naik, you know, if you Google Zakir Naik Hinduism versus Islam, then he's explaining that the true meaning of Hinduism is um, is really is really a tawhid. Mm -hmm. And then you have these prophets uh, or these messengers that God sent. And people start to worship the messengers. That's what they do right. all over the world. Um, and uh, even the, the Arab paganism started with people who started worshiping a messenger instead of worshiping the creator. There's a story about that. But, you know, we, we can speak along uh, very lengthy about this. Uh, I think yeah. this is uh, enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about this subject. If there are other questions, no problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um, I think we can come to the end of tonight's session. Okay. So thank you, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Uh, wish, inshallah, may you all have a blessed week ahead um, for the coming week, and we'll see you again in the next episode. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Good night, everyone. Yes.